Graphic design empire. Take control of it. Do you know what? These are really great questions. If you want it, you're just going to find a way to get it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning into this episode. It's a really, really good one. Uh, Neil's fantastic. We've had him on the show before. Uh, become a good friend and uh, you have tons and tons of advice given out on this episode. And you can check all of the written up article and the summarised points on the creativewaffle.club website as well. So that's all up there, uh, along with many other blog posts and will be many more blog posts in the Creative Waffle library. Uh, yeah, thank you very much for checking it out. Hope you enjoy the episode and I'll see you at the end. All right then, this is it. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Brilliant. It's back. great to be here. Back, <laughs> Thanks back. for having me. For a second appearance. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, who uh, who has had the most appearances on Creative Waffle? Oh, that's a good question. I actually don't know. Um, isn't it somebody like Dave? Isn't, well, one of the Daves, I'm sure, has been on a hundred t- times. Dave, Phil Galloway's been on it three times, I think. Dave Will's oh. been on it. Probably. He did, just did two episodes with him, so it's like probably, yeah, probably three, maybe four. Uh, is that like Dave Overload? <laughs> boring, boring, boring start to a podcast, this, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping you trim this back and it's all like exciting. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it will be. It'll be, it'll be, good, it'll be a good chat. Um, so, yeah, I mean, start off with uh, who you are, but then check out the first episode or with yourself if you don't know who you are. But uh, if you've got a brief summary of who you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. You know what, though, before we get into that. Um, yeah. So this is on YouTube, right? So you are being recorded. So the world will see your head. The body, um, yeah. So we need to talk about that before we do anything to do with <laughs> the sporting press. Um, so Mark, you've had a haircut. Mm. It looks good. What inspired it? Uh, it got too long. <laughs> it got too long? And all it the barbershops are closed. Um, mm. Yeah, all closed over here now in the UK. So Yeah. Well, you have a fantastic hairline. It sort of looked like it looks like it's painted on. Um, it's I'm very impressed good. by it. I, I was actually really surprised at how how well it's come through. I mean, it looks a lot better today than it is when I first did it. It's a little bit of fuzz on top now, so that's quite nice. Very uh, good. Yeah. You know what you need? You need those prescription spectacles that they have on Vietnam movies when uh, people get recruited into the army and they have to go and shave their heads and they get given those shocking glasses. Uh, I'm basically <laughs> saying you look like you've just enlisted. And you've got a bomber shirt on. All right, I'm sorry. This is the wrong thing to say at the beginning of a podcast, which is supposed to be about a sporting press, but um, you do look cool. You look very much like a. Uh, this is a podcast from the other side of the apocalypse. It is. Um, it is. The uh, <laughs> coronapocalypse or coronapocalypse. Yeah, it's, it's coming. We're getting through it over here in the UK. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty weird over here too. I mean, I'm um, about two hours away from New York, so I've um, missed... I, I mean, you know, we're far away, so we, apart from homeschooling um, and, you know, not really being allowed out at all, apart from grocery shopping, same as everywhere else, um, you know, we, we're just really grateful for having a bit of space to roam around. We've got a bit of a back garden and, you know, more time with the kids. It's, it's, um, we're, and we're lucky we're healthy. So, yeah, count our blessings at the moment. So everything's pretty good for us. Yeah, I mean, we'll definitely get into that and um, and how you're surviving it and how you're doing work-wise and uh, how to be smart during this time with your work. Um, but yeah, so for people who haven't checked you out, uh, who are you and uh, what do you do? Okay, yeah, so my name is Neil Jameson. Um, I am uh, the former creative director, 
um, of ESPN, uh, digital media. Uh, before that, I had a really fun career in magazines where I was uh, design lead for um, magazines like Sports Illustrated, Money Magazine, um, People Magazine, uh, Field and Stream, which was a hunting and fishing magazine, um, all those sorts of things. Um, and then I left ESPN a couple of years ago, went to work for an agency for about a year, which was great, which is the last time we spoke actually. Um, and it was really cool. I got a little bit of experience uh, understanding what it's like on the other side um, of the business, having designed content mainly for most of my career for you know, media outlets. Going into the sort of marketing and promotion side was pretty cool. Um, and then uh, a couple of years ago, I started an Instagram handle called The Sporting Press, which was me basically just creating and making stuff every day about things that I was really excited about and passionate about. And it really sparked in me um, something cool. It sort of rekindled my love of illustration and design um, and just making stuff all the time. And I met a really cool community um, through that. And after a year or so at this agency recently, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to commit to doing The Sporting Press full time and since then so I've been gone there about a year actually yes I've been out on my own for about a year so the studio has been uh, solely dedicated um, for a year is that the right word whatever anyway um, and yeah so here we are a year in and it's been brilliant I, I wish I'd have done it sooner um, yeah professionally things are things are going really well so that's it so I'm, I guess I'm the creative director principal owner janitor window cleaner bus driver um of the sporting press nice nice yeah it's uh from what i've seen so re like recently and on social media it's been cracking some great stuff out it's been really really good to see no thanks man oh, yeah it's been a fun ride was he working with some major major clients as well which is exciting oh yeah um yeah it's amazing if you'd have told me two years ago or even less than that, a year ago that i've been working for england um chelsea uh, UEFA, um, bunch of magazines, uh, Time magazine. Yeah, I, I would have wouldn't have believed you. I'd have said you're full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and, and it's just incredible how it snowboarded, and it's it's mainly due to um, just been a, it, I, the clients have just been really really supportive. They've uh, they've just been really encouraging and um, given me uh, really cool opportunities and. Yeah, and it's it's been a hustle, but it's not really a hustle when you love what you're doing. It's sort of, um, yeah, it's relatively, I mean, easy is the wrong word, but it's just part of my life and it's part of who I am and I'm just lucky that people call me and I answer the phone um, and work really hard for them. Well, I mean, you've got you've, you've gone this whole journey of, of working for other companies and working at right, top-level design jobs as well. Uh, like the, the ESPN job is amazing to, to get somewhere like that. <coughs> Sorry. And... Um, yeah, Sports Illustrated and all of these places and now you're working for yourself with huge clients that obviously have come to you on the back of an amazing reputation at other places uh, and that's definitely like, I'd imagine helps uh, yeah. and then your work's been on, like, fantastic on top of that so it's yeah I mean people listening along uh, especially if it, if it was me a couple of years ago I think oh, maybe I could do that maybe I could just start and uh, <laughs> and just like maybe I could just, just work for Chelsea or work for England or and just start Um which you know, try it, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a, a process to 
build up and that's what I've been speaking towards other illustrators as well and trying to teach younger people and something I've learned is it's all a process it's all a journey of, of yeah. getting experience and getting respect in the, in the industry and uh, yeah it takes a long time so trying to jump at once because that's what I did and it didn't work out <laughs> yeah it is all about time but um, um and it is a process and it is a journey like I don't know what I'm going to be doing uh, in six months or a year or I don't know I mean I can tell you that right now I'm really enjoying what I'm doing um, and I'm getting creative satisfaction. I'm meeting really cool people. Um, I'm given a lot of trust by clients. They give me enough rope to hang myself with. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it is a process, but you're right. I mean, a lot of it has come from um, from my experience working in magazines. That's a, obviously a huge uh, advantage. And uh, so that's why this is sort of the logical step, the next step in my journey I, yeah if i'd have i went to st martin's in london um and i definitely couldn't have leapt right from st martin's to um you know designing stuff for nike and adidas um unless a you know huge fortuitous twist of fate i've managed to do a few projects for some of those big brands um and that's they've both come through um former clients or former employers or people that i've met on the way up that remembered me um yeah so, right, it's a process, it's a journey, and I'm certainly not at the end of it. I don't even know where I am on it. Um, I'm just, I know that I'm enjoying creating stuff, and uh, yeah, there is this kind of no mission. I mean, you know, as well as I do, like, I don't, Sporting Press doesn't even have a, even have a website yet. <laughs> like, NeilJameson.com yeah. does. Um, I'm sort of being a bit mysterious, I suppose. I definitely need to sort that out and be a lot more strategic, but uh, I suppose... Okay, so this is something really cool I heard recently that I think is really a really good phrase. Um, it's called guided drifting. So I spent the first, um, let's see, I left college. I went into sort of the workplace when I was like 21, 22, and I'm now 42. So it's almost been, well, it's been 20 years. And for the first 15, 17 years of that, I was on a trajectory and everything I did was deliberate. So every magazine job I took or every freelance project I took or um, department at whatever company I was in, every role I took was to lead to the next thing. And it was really, it was really strategic. Like I remember I, I, um, I was a camp counselor in upstate New York when I was 18, right? I th I've probably told you this already. Yeah, yeah. Um, and after doing several summers of that, I learned that I definitely want to be living in America. It's really cool. Um, there's lots more opportunity here. It's a bigger, um, for what I love doing, it was a bigger industry. Um, so I looked around and got an internship in America and that sort of worked out. And I took that because I knew that would lead to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So um, everything I was doing for, honestly, yeah, 15 years was intended to... Um, my goal, I suppose, is to be the design director of the biggest magazine ever. You know what I mean? So to be on the same, like to be in the same conversations as people like Scott Dadich and Fred Woodward and John Corpix and these icons that I studied in college that I that were just my design heroes. Um, and yeah, so everything was. I, I sort of knew what I wanted to be, and I was really ambitious. And I really every decision I took was to get to that point. And then in the last few years, I'm like, you know what? I don't know if that's necessarily what I want to be doing anymore. And similar to, um, I listened to the podcast you did with Katie um, yesterday. Uh, yeah. Mm. Um, and she spoke about, um, I think she called it a midlife crisis. And I'm not sure if that's quite, you know, it, it, 
it was probably a little bit less dramatic than that, but there was certainly a turning point in my career. But I think it was when I was at ESPN when I was like, I don't know that I want to be part of this um, corporate structure anymore. And um, there was, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I lost my passion a little bit and my love for design and creating and making stuff because I was so focused on the next promotion and the next promotion. Um, and so when I, I, I got laid off from ESPN just because there was job cuts and all sorts of other things happened. And with hindsight, it was a really good opportunity, opportunity for me to sort of rediscover who I was and why I wanted to be um, a graphic designer, an artist, tell stories anyway. Um, and so I sort of started on this journey, I suppose, of two years of what I called guided drifting. And it was... Um, if the phone rang and it was a freelance job and it was something that I wasn't really used to doing and it felt really out of my comfort zone and I, there was a risk that I would completely screw it up and never get a call from this client again, I'd say yes anyway. I'd be like, yeah, I'll do it. And a lot of the times I was, it didn't really matter about the money uh, as long as I could pay the mortgage and keep the lights on. I'd still say yes because I wanted to rediscover who I am, what I'm good at, what I'm not good at. Um, and... So, yeah, so I took a, uh, I did, you know, not even that long ago, I did like a couple of program covers, which didn't, you know, didn't pay anything. Um, some branding stuff, animation, illustration. And yeah, it was like the next project that comes in, I'm going to say yes to it and see what happens. So that's what I've basically been doing for two years. <laughs> um, and some of them have been huge. Some of them have been really exciting clients. Like I did a whole lot of stuff for the Players' Tribune last summer for, for this big Nike campaign they had for the women's football team, for the Women's World Cup, um, but particularly the US women's national team. Uh, and it was awesome. It was really high profile. It was really cool, but it was also really hard. And it was lots of motion graphics and it was things that I wasn't particularly comfortable with. Um, so I learned a lot doing that. And then, you know, uh, at the same time, I'm doing No Place Like Home, which is my little football mm -hmm. magazine that I do with some friends of mine um which is unpaid and we do it just for the passion right um but that has led to other things and uh yeah so guided drifting i feel like at some point i'm gonna have to probably be more strategic but there's no pressure like nobody's forcing me to be more strategic i don't have this goal by the age of 45 to be you know to be the principal of this ginormous design studio that's going to take over dixon Baxi or something yeah, right yeah. um so for right now, I'm just kind of seeing how it goes. And it's been, that attitude is weird because it's been weirdly successful for me. And I don't know if this is great advice for everybody out there, but it really works for me because it's taken the pressure right off. Um, I'm not worried about um, really anything. I'm not worried about disappointing anybody. If the job doesn't sound right, now I'm at a point where I'm like, well, I'm probably not going to take that on. Mm. Um, I know what I'm bad at, which is definitely, that was really important for me important thing for me to learn and often when i say i'm bad at it, it means that i'm going to lose focus i'm going to get bored yeah. um um yeah and so um the pressure has like removing that pressure has really improved my mental health i don't think i was like struggling but i definitely thought i was really stressed out and similar to katie her podcast she realized that she'd been working her ass off for 15 years i just dawned on me you know a couple of months ago i'm like fuck so have I like I remember it was like 10 o'clock at night I just watched American Idol with my wife and I'm like I haven't done any work tonight I need to get back upstairs and go to the studio and do something uh and I'm like actually I, I, I sort of don't I should just go to bed <laughs> so I went to bed and it was brilliant um 
<laughs> you're definitely so, yeah. guilty of that. You're definitely guilty of work, like having to think you have to constantly work. Yeah, I think um, yeah, definitely. Um, we're just conditioned into like keeping on going and working harder and harder and harder. So I will say in America, it is a little bit, well, I don't know. I haven't really worked in the UK, but, um, most, my entire career has been here in America. Um, there is a different pressure in this country when you run a studio or you work for yourself and that's medical insurance. Mm. And I think we've probably touched on this before. Um, but so while I'm sort of waxing lyrical about having this wonderful, esoteric artistic creative life where i just kind of do what's cool and stuff. that's mostly true and definitely that was an attitude adjustment for me and it has so far worked out for me but there is a massive pressure in this country that you don't have in the uk and that is medical insurance so i have to make sure that no matter what i make at least um enough money to cover my mortgage and medical insurance um mortgage is not crazy high because we're not in new york anymore we're in you know we're upstate connecticut but my medical insurance for my wife and two kids is about $1,300 a month. So before I do anything, wow. I've got to make sure that they have medical insurance. And that's really shit insurance too. Like it's okay, uh, but there's a, still a ginormous deductible. Um, so when you work full time in-house, you know, most of the time that's at least 50% covered, often more. I mean, when I worked for Time Inc. or ESPN, the majority of that was covered. So that was a wonderful um, load of pressure off but to be honest i'd had that my whole career and i took it for granted it's only when i went out and worked for myself that i realized that oh shit like i have to really make sure i make that you know um that amount of money um so thankfully so far we've managed to cover it my wife's also a writer she's a freelance writer um so she has a little bit of money coming in we basically cover it but i think it's definitely there is more risk and there's more challenges involved i think with going freelance and working for yourself and running your own studio um in america that's just really unfair (laughs) i don't know maybe that's not the right word but for considering it's a land of entrepreneurialism and uh you know uh ambition and the american dream they make it bloody hard sometimes (laughs) yeah i mean we're we're so fortunate with the nhs over here um and and we just i mean you see that no other time but now is it's the most important thing we're seeing right now is yeah it's, it's been huge to our country um and i think it's yeah. just everyone's admiration for from for it it's just gone skyrocketed and it's yeah it's amazing to see what they're doing right now and uh <clears throat> it's incredible it really is incredible i yeah. mean it's not just them too it's the support workers too like my dad uh is a truck driver yeah. long distance truck driver he delivers groceries and dairy uh, my brother um he does logistics for a laundry company who deliver laundry to the nhs uh, so he's got loads of hospitals and and um, you know healthcare facilities on his rounds. Of course, they they've never been busier. So he's uh, certainly on that side of the business. Uh, yeah, no, it's amazing watching everybody rally around and uh, really appreciate everything we've taken for granted quite a lot in the last well, <coughs> a long time. Yeah, we have indeed, indeed. Um, one final final thing on the, on the. Uh... On the, the guided drifting sort of work idea. Yeah, uh, I should make a poster, shouldn't I? That just says guided drifting. Yeah. With a, a boat and a football boot on it. I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> Something like that. There's an idea there, definitely. Uh, yeah, what, so I don't know really. I, was, I don't really know what the question is, but what can you just summarize what that was again? Or what the actual. Yeah, definition? so. Yeah, uh, yeah, sorry. I creatively waffled there, didn't I? <laughs> um, it, it's it's not it's having like um 
the guided part means that you do have a plan, I suppose, a large plan, and that like a, a broad strokes plan, and that is to pay the mortgage and pay the medical insurance and make sure that my family are all right. Um, and so if you're in the shit, you know, you'll really hustle and try and get any work um, to pay the bills. But like I say, thankfully, I've been in the sort of drifting mode of the guided drifting for the last year or so where I haven't had to really panic too much about that. Um, and I've been drifting in terms of um, taking on jobs that might not inform the larger goal. They might not necessarily get me to... Um, like if I decided I really, really, really wanted to be a creative, a creative director of a sportswear company or something, then every job I took or every project I did, every freelancing I did, every promo thing I did, every phone call I had or every um, meeting I went to would all be served to serve that goal mm. of being you know, a creative director at Under Armour or something. Um, but that would be sort of like the opposite of drifting. For me, it's like I don't know what the big picture is yeah it's sort oh, of slowly it. the fog's starting to clear and it's starting to sort of show itself as the more projects i take on so it's about um not really having a sort of a 10-year plan or a next week plan it's just meeting people and taking on different jobs um and learning constantly learning and then hopefully the big picture will figure itself out or maybe it won't maybe this is it you know maybe we're just gonna be um on this journey till the end of the career i mean it's it's really it's it's honestly mate i, I suggest it <laughs> i recommend it just chill out i guess is the point right work really really hard for the clients you've got um and when the work comes in don't take it for granted work your ass up for them but yeah wait and see what happens i have to keep thinking of things well oh, i did this podcast and i have to write them down on this little uh, pink sticky notes and I've got loads on my wall up there oh uh, yeah so I'm just just writing stuff down but uh, Wait, are you saying guided drifting has made it to the wall <laughs> uh, sort of yeah there's, there's a thing I, we spoke about in another podcast called uh, well analogy it was it was about being a pinball in a, in a pinball machine nice um, and just sort of bouncing around and trying different things until you yes. finally drop between the two little waves uh, two little oh, that's uh, handles nice. and then yeah. that's it you've got it that's a great metaphor so I think actually uh, my thing was um so the phrase guided drifting, so um, it came from the pastor at our local church, actually. So, nice. um, yeah, he was a visiting pastor. It was Our regular pastor was out that weekend. Um, and something had happened. I can't remember what it was, but his sermon was about, basically, you can't really control anything. There's certain things that are just out of your control. And human beings love to control, control stuff. Nobody likes to control stuff more than a graphic design <laughs> studio head either because their entire job is to organize stuff to organize content when you have staff it's to organize the books and get everything organized and then all of a sudden a pandemic hits and you're buggered right you know there's no there's no planning for that sort of stuff and so when you sort of are aware that these things can happen um you're better prepared for it i suppose and you'll just uh, you kind of take the you know take it as it comes that was really his point was the set of things that we as sort of human beings i don't want to get particularly philosophical about it but um yeah that, that we just can't control and you know so drifting's okay yeah. guided drifting though so there's you know to focus a little bit yeah i like it and, and <laughs> no genuinely this is a good point and i think it'll resonate with a lot of people um listening to the podcast as well who who are young designers or, or even you know any designer uh, creative they'll be they'll be thinking i'm not really sure what what to go for i'm not really sure what i want to do uh 
and that's fine. You know, there's, yeah, there's, there's comfort in that. And like, and you, like you just there said, it's, you, you can make something of it. You just sort of see what comes up, the opportunities, and uh, as long as you keep putting stuff out. And, yeah, exactly. And that's it. it. That is that is definitely it. It's about. Um, I saw a I saw a quote from The Rock the other day. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something about um, you know it doesn't come overnight. It's about being consistent. Um, you know that because you're a boxer now, aren't you? So you're all about <laughs> you know you're training for the big day, but you couldn't walk into the ring you know you after day one of training. Yeah. Oh no, terrible! You got but, postponed. Right. Yeah, I was going to say you got to make sure you're still doing your road work and stuff though. Yeah, anyway, but it's it, it is definitely about being consistent. I'm not great at giving these sort of pearls of wisdom. I don't think to young designers because I think sometimes they're a bit patronising. This all will come off. The same. Everyone's like, yeah, work hard, be nice to your clients. You know, what's the old nugget? Uh, be nice to them on the way up because, you know, you'll never know and you'll have to bump into them again on the way down, which is all true. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, designers are a weird bunch, illustrators, artists. We all, we're all, we've all got an ego mm. um, and we've all got something to say. And it's okay to sort of express that, I think. Just, yeah, being professional. Yeah. And also, the thing is with all these uh, sort of, of wisdom thoughts and all these these points as i like to talk about them i like to like, ask why like why why do you need to be like, why do you need to be kind to your clients and then like sort of try and make it a bit more practical and a bit more strategic ask. well that's a good segue actually yeah because um we're professionally right now we're at a really weird time in our industry um and especially in sports you know there are no sports happening so a lot of people who make their living uh, do marketing and PR and promotion and illustration and uh, stuff for sports teams and leagues. Uh, the work's starting to dry up, and you know there is particularly people really involved in the Olympics and the Euros. Um, uh, you know they everything's been pushed a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what that means for their contracts, you know, who knows? It is everything is very much up in the air. Um, so it really does make you focus on what's important when certain clients just disappear, and you're like, shit, I just relied on that on that money. Uh, and I've just been blessed and it dawned on me a couple of weeks ago when this was all going down and my phone kept ringing that um, I, I've sort of done something right here. Like, thankfully, people are in the shit at the moment and I've managed to, I've been very lucky and I'm very, very grateful for it, but I've managed to be the the, the hotline that they call when they're in the shit. Um, it's like the bat phone. Um, <laughs> so... Um, yeah, so right now, you know, people need content more than ever. It's a great time to be a content designer because there is no, there are no events happening, and so mm. there's no uh, new portraits or new photography of celebrities or athletes or whatever. So they're calling on people for like interesting new ways to help tell stories and package things, repackage things that have been, um, uh, you know, just trying to repromote. And so, yeah, thankfully, like I say, I've had a, a few really cool projects come in. Um, and I often think for a few of these clients, certainly, I don't know that I'm necessarily the best guy for the job technically. Uh, I'm certainly not the best animator, and I, I don't think I'm the best illustrator for some of these projects. But they call me because they'll they know I'll get it done. Um, they'll know I'll keep an open line of communication all the time, um, and they trust me. And they trust me because we've been in the shit together, uh, and I've been in the shit on deadline and like jamming to get magazines done, and you know. Um, you know, when I was at People Magazine, we did a, 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 um, an issue right around the Port-au-Prince earthquakes. You know, we had to tear the whole magazine up and bang out a new issue, you know, that day. Uh, the, I've been through in the trenches on all these um, disasters and, and events that have happened and um, 
so yeah, they call me because they trust me, and it's it's mm. it's becoming that sort of indispensable guy at the end of the phone. Like I say, I might not be the most gifted person for some of these um, projects, but I'm certainly the one that will work hardest, um, and have a track record of getting it done. I like that. Yeah, that's really cool. But tell tell me, how does someone do that? How does someone like build a reputation up and then like be the guy to call on? Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't happen overnight, right? It just, as you said, like it takes a lot of time. You've got to just uh, keep working really hard at it. We've also got to be like um, humble. And the last thing you need, if you're uh, like Sports Illustrated, I just helped them out a few weeks ago. We just did a really cool Sports Illustrated coronavirus cover, which did quite well. Um, and you don't want to have an ego. The last thing they need when they're tearing up the whole magazine and trying to produce something in the middle of the night all remotely it's some vendor, you know, some artist being like a dickhead, right? Being emotional and saying, oh, I don't like blue. And, you know, I don't like that chair <laughs> being up like that and down like that. You know, trust them as, they much as, as much as they trust you. Um, don't get in their way. Just do your job. Be professional. Uh, I mean, sorry, that was a very specific example. But broad strokes, how do you become the guy they call at the end of the day? Um, it just takes a lot of time. So like I've definitely had clients, like I said, a couple of years ago or a year or so ago, I would say yes to absolutely everything. And while that was really interesting and it informed a lot of um, uh, my future projects and, and has kind of steered me on my guided drifting journey, um, there was definitely a few of those clients that I probably should have said no to because there was one or two that I did drop the ball on. Um, and I'm really embarrassed to this day. Like I, I, can, I, I did a project for um, La Liga, no, not La Liga, sorry, Liga, um, the French like Premier League. Um, and they were amazing. They, they trusted me with a project, a little animation thing for, uh, I think it was a matchup between Olympic Marseille and Paris Saint-Germain or something. Um, and it took me ages because I'm really slow sometimes in After Effects. Like, and I really had to figure it out. I wanted something very specific and it took me ages to, to learn how to do it. Um, I delivered it and they were okay with it. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to just tweak it one more time. Um, and eventually, I, it took me too long to tweak it. I delivered it quite late, and I delivered it wrong. Like, there was a big error in it. I had the wrong player in it, and it was really fucking embarrassing. And I realize now that um, I should have said no to that project because I was just too busy. Um, and I couldn't give it all the attention I deserved. And I frankly just wasn't good enough. Like, it wasn't in my, my wheelhouse. Um, and so, you know, when they're in the shit, they're not going to call me. I'm not their designer um, hotline guy. Um, so, and I'm really embarrassed to this day, but I learned a valuable lesson there. And it's like about just being really careful about not taking on too much. And um, I don't think there was any ego involved. I certainly wasn't trying to show off or being, a, being difficult about the project, but um, I just balls it up. I mean, I think every designer and illustrator and um, editorial person, can, they've all been through that. They've all buggered it up. They've all made a pretty huge error in their yeah. careers and they've learned from it. But now I'm like, I'm, I definitely think twice about something if I don't think I can pull it off. Or I'm certainly honest with the client. I'm like, look, I'm not the best guy at this, but I can give you this. Um, so yeah, and that again just comes from experience, right? So the more projects you take on, the more you know what you're good at and what you're bad at. And... <clears throat> Yeah, so I think you become the person at the end of the phone when they're in the shit by doing fewer bad, <laughs> making fewer mistakes, fewer terrible projects and more good ones. <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah, and I don't know, like um, I got a phone call from England um, or an email from England recently. Um, they needed some stuff for their hashtag 
football staying home campaign. Um, and I was so happy to do it. I was, I would have probably done this project for my kids at home anyway, but you know, they, they were looking for something similar. So I was able to bang it out, but I did, I stayed up really late. I, you know, worked really hard to get it done I get it done. And they were so grateful. Um, and you know, while this wasn't a huge project for them, you know, hopefully that's brought me some equity. And then the next time a big project comes in, they'll think about me for that. Um, mm. and you know, so yeah, it is, you definitely do have to play the long game with a lot of these clients. Um, I've certainly done really low paid projects for clients just because, um, I just know that in the future, you know, something bigger will come in and for, I'll be in the conversation. Whereas if I hadn't have done that project, I probably wouldn't have been. And they know that I'll work hard for them and, and all that. I know that's a big conversation, right? About working for free and, mm. and there's certain designers and art directors who just are determined to, I'll never work for free. I'm going to be super professional and get loads of money. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I think I'm at the point of my career though, where I've had the luxury of being able to work for free sometimes just because I enjoy the project or I just kind of think it'll be good for exposure. And I hate that word, but you know, um, it's not always just the money either. It's not always just trying to get as much money. I mean, Dan Layden has a very good point about you know, they can pay you, so why shouldn't they sort of thing? Uh, yeah. And well, yeah, why should... Yeah, I don't know. He, he, we made some really he's good right. points on his I, podcast. With, with I, he's absolutely right. And, and, and you know, I, I've, um, I'm a bit spoiled at the moment, right? Because I'm in a position where I, I sort of can. Because I know that, for example, that the person who assigned that project who's completely fucked and has no budget, say he doesn't have a budget, right? Yeah. Uh, I've had, I've done projects with people years ago that have had no money and I've done it for basically not nothing, but I've certainly covered my costs and I've, you know, made it, um, like less painful for myself. And then five years later, they've gone on to be, you know, creative director, at a really big magazine or, um, you know, a really influential person at a marketing company. And they're like, fuck, remember that time Neil did that thing for us. And now Neil is like running his own studio and shit. I bet he could do something like that for us. And I'll make him look good in front of his boss. And, you just never know. It's a journey, right? It's just this long road. Um, like I did some stuff recently for, um, actually I guess it wasn't that recent. It's probably about a year and a half ago now for my design hero and former boss, John Corpix, who is um, a legend, right? Just, I, I've probably spoken about him before, but um, definitely my mentor, my design, like um, North Star, certainly when I was coming up in magazines, he was a, a creative director of Esquire, and he ended up at uh, um, ESPN, which is, you know, he brought me up there. But anyway, he, he now works for Harvard Business Journal. And I did a project for him, which was uh, pretty low pay, to be honest. It wasn't certainly not, um, you know, wouldn't keep the lights on. But it was such a challenging and interesting project. It was a typography project doing like these 3D numbers. Um, and I don't know if I necessarily aced it, but... I was pretty happy with it because it's something I'd never normally done. And frankly, the stakes were quite low because it wasn't massively paid. So I sort of, you know, he definitely gave me the benefit of the doubt on some of the sort of design decisions I made. But that led to more work doing 3D stuff and more typography stuff. And some of that stuff was actually really well paid. Um, yeah. Anyway, so you just never know, right? It's, it's all about playing that long game. So is there anything else? Uh, so I've written down a few things which will summarize it all in a minute. But is there anything else that you can think of that will, will help you? be that hotline trusting the client when they're in the shit knowing that they're in the shit and they haven't got time and they're very busy so being as easy a client as you can being very tactful with some of your design suggestions right so it doesn't get in the way of their editorial process because they're busy mm -hmm. um i i 
so when I left the agency about a year or so ago, a lot of the clients I was taking on, I mean, I hate calling them clients to be honest, because a lot of the time they're just friends that I'm trying to help. Yeah, uh, I had a really good point on that. He said they're all collaborators. They, you, you never, in one of his books, he wrote this, and he, he said, uh, yeah, you don't you don't call them clients. They're, they're people you work with. That's what the design process should be. You should be going back and forth with them. You should be talking to them and making decisions exactly. together. Exactly. Like, I don't think I've worked for I will, anybody that I would consider a client, right, since I left you. Uh, it's a very formal thing, isn't it? A client. Thing. It is, isn't it? Yeah. And we're not formal people. Like, we're creators. Yeah. You know, we all went to art school. We're just all, um, <laughs> you know, we're all just, um, I don't know. I take it very seriously, but I think it's much more informal relationship. But so I do go into that. I like, um, I, I've taken on projects where it's actually not that exciting, but I've heard their tone on the phone and I've seen the tone in their email. They're like, these guys are in trouble and you really need to go and help them out because you'll, you know, they're your friends and they haven't got a spot illustration for this story because it just fell apart um, or something terrible happened. And so I definitely go into some of these projects with the attitude that these are my friends and they are in trouble and I can help them. So I'm going to help them. Um, and again, that buys you equity, right? For the future. And, and when the, that's another way to make sure that they do um, pick up the phone when they're in shit. And I, you know, it, it is true. I think that's part of this whole guided drifting thing. It's a, being philosophical again, but um, if you just change it, adjust your mindset and it's not about, um, you know, I want to have a really nice car, right? The only reason I'm become a graphic designer is so I can do this, 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 and this, which is going to lead to this wonderful lifestyle. If you, if you just change your priorities and you start to think more about, I want to, uh, create beautiful work for friends and uh, you take your ego out of it and your sort of mad ambition and drive out of it, you probably end up at the same place anyway, to be honest, but you've had a much more uh, pleasant journey getting there. Um, so yeah, I, I really do think most of the jobs I've taken on um, are trying to help people. And, that, and then you go into it with that attitude too and they really appreciate it and they're really grateful and they, they become better clients. That's a good point. I'm writing all this stuff down because I know I've got to turn it into a blog post later on. But, uh, oh boy. <laughs> uh, anyway, it was, it was good to summarize it all as well. Uh, yeah, this is this is a really really good point, especially right now. Um, I'm just trying to waffle so I can think of my think of what I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay. Honest, it? <laughs> uh, you're, you're a great radio person. You like you should be a politician. Yeah, um, no way. No, I used to. I, th- I used really. to want to be, but like, I used to think. Ah, well, Did you? No, nah, not really. Not really. But like, I used to think <laughs> I could probably do a job there, uh, which obviously no, I couldn't. Uh. <laughs> um, so there are some other things that I would like to say though about um, um, about running a studio. Well, maybe not running a studio, but certainly um, the. So the whole thing about having a point of view. This is a terrible lead into my point. So I don't. Actually, I can't really quite articulate what I'm trying to say here. So Google summarizes it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, one of the things I, when I had my sort of design, I guess, crisis or my career sort of midlife crisis, as, as Katie said, um, was I find my, I found myself no longer having a point of view about a lot of stuff, uh, about design decisions that were made, editorial decisions. Um, and I think most art directors will say the same thing when they're trying to put out a magazine or, you know, trying to solve a problem for a client. And I do mean client this time. I mean, you know, like an insurance company or a brewery or, you know, some of the uh, real life clients that, you know, aren't necessarily sort of really fun editorial projects. Um, I find myself at this point where um, I didn't really have a point of view. And I found that the editor or the client, they cared way more about the story that they're writing or the product that they're making than I did. And I would, I'd, I'd like have to, 
feign interest in a you know particularly obscure story that I just I found myself not really caring about because I didn't think it you know was a big enough moment to impact the direction of the magazine or to you know I just I found myself um not having a point of view, losing interest. And that's the worst thing you can do as a graphic designer, as an artist, as a storyteller. It's like, as soon as you find yourself hitting that wall where you have to struggle to justify to an editor why you've made a certain design decision, it's when your brain starts to switch off, you start to get lazy. That's a you know honest word for it. Um, that's when I thought I had to really recalibrate and change things because I wasn't in this business to... Um, to be a lazy graphic designer, somebody that's just like going through the motions, producing stuff. We've all been like, I've worked for so many companies uh, with so many people and we've all seen these um, people that are just phoning it in and it's really frustrating. Um, and the last thing I wanted to become was one of those. Um, and so, yeah, so I think that was a really good thing that happened to me was that sort of getting laid off from ESPN and having to force myself to kind of reset and hit the, you know, the reset button. Um, but yeah, as a designer, you know, you're being paid to have a point of view, you know, they're design, they're, they're paying you as a creative director, as a logo designer, as a, um, any sort of promotions person is to have a point of view and to back it up with not just your talent, but with, you know, actual metrics that prove that your theory works. Um, and when you start, that starts to wane, it's bad news, baby. That's when, you know, you kind of, <laughs> you get, Lost. And so going into that, everything again, I keep talking about going in uh, with this mission of helping people and genuinely trying to like support my friends and former colleagues and, and whatever. Um, it All of a sudden you have a point of view because you're like, oh shit, like my guy's in trouble. Like I, I need to help him solve this problem. So I, I have an idea. It might be the wrong idea, but here's why I think it works and here's why this will save your business. Um, yeah. And that's, that's yeah. I, guess, I guess a good point is, is learning what your point of view is and, and, um, yeah so like it's really hard it's really hard because like there are people who I know people that have a fucking point of view about everything <laughs> <laughs> and I envy them in a lot of ways but it also must drive them completely crazy like I don't know how they sleep at night <laughs> because they, you know they must have a, uh, an opinion they haven't expressed before they go to sleep um, yeah but when it comes to things I'm really passionate about oh my god like I, I could talk about Preston North End all day or you know just general football all day um uh football design uh sports design in general like that stuff i'm really really passionate about i I was at people magazine for a year where we did um lots of celebrity and uh red carpet stuff and you know award shows and things like that and it was really cool to be a part of it was very exciting and it's very uh it's just pop culture so it was really great to be part of uh you know entertainment news um but yeah after a few months of it i i just didn't i lost my point of view um, and I realized that that just was, was a, a big fucking red alert that this is not the sort of industry I can do my best work in and I can deliver what the um, client or whatever my employees needed. Yeah, but so I'm not saying I don't have a point of view about anything, but and I, thankfully I've managed to get that point of view back now. And that's what this whole sort of creative drifting journey has been about is trying to rediscover that. Uh, but it was a weird few months there when i was like holy shit like my gas tank is empty i don't have a point of view about a lot of this stuff time to recalibrate so i was, I was sort of thinking along the lines of uh, a point of view being your design skills your, your design knowledge of of you know this should be that color or, or this should be placed here because it fits in the layout better and, and stuff like that and then relating that back to being easy with a client is sometimes you need to let that go a little bit because you know you've got tight deadlines or you know you've got stuff that the client's not ha- or, or happy with or wants to do something 
uh, that you don't really want to deal because obviously it breaks the design rules or it doesn't fit properly. But sometimes you know, when you're in a push and you, and you need to get something out the door and the client needs to be happy with it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah, sure. I mean, they. I don't think that stuff's as important. Like the design philosophy stuff, um, whether it's a, a weird color or the composition's off or something, um, that's sort of a given. Like when they hire you, they're just, they, they, I would assume most of them anyway, certainly the ones I've worked with, trust me enough to get that right. Um, but when it's, um, they make design decisions, I don't like clients necessarily, I don't love when they make design decisions, but if I can see why they've made them and I understand it is for the greater good of the project as a whole, and absolutely, I need that perspective. You know, there's a lot of decisions made above my head that I don't know about that I'm unfamiliar with. Like, I, so you know, maybe I'm forced to use a really ugly font. Oh, it looks so stupid when it's so small because you know, it's, um, it doesn't. It's really hard to read or whatever. But then, when you realise that actually this font is going to be all over the world and it's going to be the face of their campaign and it's going to be billboards, you know, just you know, three letters, P N E. Imagine that, Preston North End. But anyway, but you know, so so you, there are decisions you don't necessarily know about, but you have to trust the client that they're, you know, them doing that for their, um, for the right reasons. And like I said, again, that comes from the relationship with the person you're liaising with at the agency or the sportswear brand company or whatever. Like they, uh, if you have a good relationship with them, then you trust them. If they say this is the wrong font, then just it's fine. It's all about the greater good. It's very much about getting out of this little bubble that oh fuck, you know. Um, I need a picture of him looking to the right, but I've only got a picture of him looking to the left. It's all a disaster. It's all terrible. Um, the client does not need to hear that when they're in the shit. They do not need to hear that. That's a huge distraction for them. They need to be focused. Um, so trust them. Yeah, and at that um, point, you you know, you flip the image. You, you switch the logos around. You do a bit of <laughs> Yeah, right. What about that? Um, you definitely can't do that in editorial work. You certainly can't do that for newspapers and magazines because there are certain <laughs> rules you can't break. Um, uh yeah so i think that's what i bring to the table and i think again that's another reason people hire me when they're in, in the shit it's because I've, I've been there right so i know I've, i understand the bigger picture um you know i did a project oh, i've done so many i keep going back to this one that i did with dave flanagan though years ago um where we did the espn 100 best players oh, I think um, yeah. yeah it was really cool it was such a fun project to work on with him um uh, but you know the piece that we gave him was to uh, illustrate all the players and then he gave me a kit of little boots and balls and really cool little design sort of uh, accessories that I could use throughout the package and at the time I didn't really know what I was going to use them for oh, um, Sorry, go yeah on. <laughs> and but he was very good about delivering this whole wonderful suite of stuff uh, and I used them all over the place and again that's because you know thankfully he trusted me um uh yeah, right? So sometimes you're delivering stuff, you don't even know what it's for necessarily, but you hope it's going to be right. Um, I guess I don't really know where I was going that, with that. No, no, but... that's a good point. I just wrote it down, give them more. And that's like, and I did extras. Sometimes when I'm doing stuff at work, I, I, know, I, I like give them an extra option or like give them this sort of same option but with a different image or yeah. like, like stuff like that. Just give them an extra, just give them a choice. Well, think about what you would want if you were the creative director on the project too. Like you wouldn't want your vendor to give you just one idea oh no like okay it's fine but like i need to see 50 and that's another thing about being coming from magazines and editorial is um it's just part of the job it's part of your day is to just do version after version after version um so whenever somebody calls me for an illustration or whatever i'll always deliver my first sheet will just be one page of like dozens of different color treatments and uh photo options and that and it's aside from the fact it's really good business it just makes a lot of sense it gives them a sense of control over the project um, it, it, I sort of 
treat it less about it being for them and more about that actually is being for me. It's sort of me learning, um, really trying to get to grips with the project. And so that becomes my sketchbook, if you like. Mm. Uh, but it's rendered enough that it they could all go to final. But that's it's kind of like learning a new language, isn't it? Like every project you take on um, is like learning a brand new language. It's the language of that story. And so you probably... Your first effort's never going to be quite right because you haven't quite learned the language there. It's like going to Spain, having never lived there, and just you know having done like first grade Spanish and trying to order a pizza. You know, it's not great. You'll get by, but if you've lived there for a bit and you really understand the language and the story in this case, it'll just be better. Can you do that? Can you order a pizza in Spanish? No, I can't speak any other languages. I'm terrible. I know. I'm sorry. I do try, but no. So I, I, this is this is a good place to summarize, I think. So we got honest is the answer. So being honest with the client, making yes. sure like they know what your, your your position is, telling them if you can't do it. Yes. Uh, not taking on too much, but up to the point where you should be saying yes for stuff that you're not comfortable with if you can take it on. Is that right? Yeah, and you know what? If it, so I've, I've definitely, so that was, uh, so the, the League Earth project was definitely all those things. I took on too much and it was a disaster. I have also been, Really, really busy though, and said yes to projects because I know that I've got um, relationships with enough illustrators and colleagues out there that can help me out. So um, uh, I'm sort of in the middle of a project at the moment actually where I'm kind of basically just overseeing it. Um, and I've got a couple of illustrators, a logo guy, an editorial person and a copy person all working on it separately from me. And I just check in occasionally. Whereas the projects came into me, can you do this thing? It's really big. I'm like, I probably can't, but I'll give you 15 names of people that can. Um, and then, so this, the client reached out to all these people and they got the ball rolling, but he brought me in to just kind of oversee it all. So there are yeah. ways to solve it, but I think that, uh, that impulse in me to say yes. And then normally I want to sort of do it all myself, right? I'd mm. rather do the copy and the, uh, and the photography and everything myself, knowing now, because probably of that legal project, I can't do it all, but I can still have an impact on the project, um, is the smarter way to do it. That is a good way to do it. And that also gives you trust Delegate. in the client as well, is, is to bring people on that are good at it and, and it can help exactly. you out. It's really interesting. And the whole dynamic of this project has really changed. So instead of this guy being uh, a client, the guy who set up the whole assignment, he's now become just like a buddy. Like he'll just text me in the middle of the night. He's like, you know, I got this thing from the... Uh, from the vendor it's all right but what do you think of it and I'm like well honestly because I don't have to do it I'm like you know what I would probably redo it scrap it start again because <laughs> I don't have to do it um, and it's making the project really easy and really fun and the relationship with the guy in charge is brilliant because I'm sort of the hero <laughs> right I'm not this combative um, person who's disagreeing with stuff I'm agreeing with things because I'm not in the trenches I'm sort of elevated yeah. um, I mean that's what running a studio is isn't it it's like not you know, having that perspective. Yeah, and and then the next point I wrote down was that, like like you said, is uh, get the get the job done right and on time. <laughs> uh, people will remember you over time for this. I've written down as well. So getting the job right consistently and over over a period of uh, period of time, they'll keep coming back to you. And remember, you build up trust with the client that way. Um, being easy to work with, uh, it's a collaboration. Uh, give them more than the than than what they ask for. Trying to do the extra step, and then uh, look at it from their point of view. Yeah, exactly. There is one more thing. And this has also helped me. So some of the phone calls I've been getting recently after uh, the pandemic started, they haven't been all from sports clients. A few of them have. 
because uh, like I said, they need to repackage things or you know, content's priority for them at the moment. Um, so I have some really cool clients. I have a car magazine that I do uh, with some friends um, and they continue to be busy. They continue to need help. Um, um, I did stuff for a, uh, <laughs> I, I, with some friends, we, we designed some packaging for a beef jerky company. It's actually a bison jerky company. Nice. Um, and yeah, so I helped them out with some stuff and they are probably going to need some stuff soon as well. Um, what else? I can't even remember. I got to look at my book, but my point is I've managed to build a fairly diverse portfolio in the last couple of years where it's not all sport. Like the sport is the fun stuff and that's the stuff I'm definitely the most passionate about. But thankfully because my book is pretty diverse and I've managed to get different sorts of clients and deliver for all these clients, um, that they are, you know, they're sort of helping keep the lights on at the moment. So a diverse book is key. And in order to get that diverse book, it's certainly not easy. Um, because, uh, you know, people just assume you're the, the sport guy or whatever. Um, I've gotten a lot of them just because I really like cars. <laughs> like, I really, like, I think cars are cool. <laughs> so doing car work and just posting it on Instagram or just getting it out there um, has driven that sort of work. Um, you know, I, I used to work at Field and Stream, so I have some sort of contacts in the outdoor community, which led to, you know, bison jerky <laughs> project food stuff um branding stuff like it all uh a lot of the stuff i've done in the past for all these clients has been unpaid or very low pay uh, just for fun again helping people out or just kind of exercising or doing just broadening my portfolio and here we are you know when we're in the shit um the phone's ringing mm. and so it, it was a case of playing the long game with a lot of these clients and you know again they're helping to keep the lights on so a diverse book certainly helps um some type of yeah, yeah, but it's weird for a company called The Sporting Press, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah <true>. <laughs> I <laughs> might need to change my name. <laughs> you could call it the Diverse Press. or uh... Maybe I should just erase the word sporting and just have The Press. press. Yeah. <laughs> sporting plus other stuff, press. Yeah, no, it's good. Uh, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great bit of advice as well. Um, something I did want to talk to you about and uh, we talked a little bit about, well, we've had a little bit back and forth on Twitter about, and I'm not sure if you want to talk about it on the podcast or not, you can say no, but uh, it's sort of copycat designers, people that yeah. have copied your work or sometimes you know, as a young designer, it's easy to copy other people's work and uh, you're obviously inspired by it as well sometimes. Sometimes you do it because you're, you admire it and I've done it, Yeah, but I want to talk about that if, if that's all right with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I, I see it occasionally and uh, some <laughs> A lot of the time when people just directly rip it off my stuff, I'll get a message on Twitter or somebody will send it to me and be like, is this you or, you know, are you cool with this? Um, and nine times out of 10, I, I sort of don't mind. I mean, if you look at my, my Instagram feed, it's all really different. Like I think a year or two ago, I was definitely doing uh, loads of the splattery stuff and, um, you know, you could definitely spot a sporting press illustration a mile away. Uh, and that was because at the time, I, I, I just really enjoyed doing that. It helped... Um, it was appropriate for the project. So I think a lot of that was World Cup stuff and that it, for me it expressed the energy of football and the spirit of, um, you know, when you're at a game, you throw your beer up in the sky and, you know, like it, it, the passion and the spirit of the splattery stuff was um, really appropriate. And I'm also, you know, I have this big passion, as you know, for like vintage programs and um, design of the sort of 50s and 60s 
uh, well, less 50s, but there are some pretty great like TV Guide covers and things like that from the 50s. So I was always a big fan of like sort of um, the legacy of print design and that inspired a lot of that stuff. And it was appropriate for those projects. Um, but I've, I've sort of gotten away from that a little bit, certainly with the Chelsea stuff. Um, and, you know, some of the stuff on my handle is just paint or um, uh, vector or whatever. Like it just, I don't know, it's sort of whatever is the best, uh, most appropriate execution to solve that problem at that time right the best way to illustrate that story so um yeah going back to your point about people ripping it off um i don't know i mean it's not like i i don't own that look and i think i do what most of the time if people get a little bit too close most of the time i'll reach out to them and say it's really cool that you figured it out like uh, it's because some of it is like forensic some of these executions are so (laughs) similar to what i've done they've really had a good close look um, which is really flattering, actually. I'm like, wow, you really care that much. You would look and deconstruct it and, and really try and figure it out for yourself. But I always say to them, like, um, it's a great starting point, but now you should go on and do your own thing because um, how do you put your own stamp on this look? How do you tweak my look to become your own thing? And I, I absolutely encourage it. And most of the time, so the people that I do reach out to to make those suggestions, we stay in touch and I give feedback and we're back and forth because cool. it's fun. Yeah, and I like it. I mean nobody's ever done it maliciously. Nobody's ever done it and tried to take any money out of my pocket or say, you know, like, you know, trying to, nobody's, is that because, nobody's like stealing clients. Is that because you've got this reputation that people know who you are and if people see that other people copy your work that, you know, they, they're going to know that, you know, they're not the real deal sort of thing or, or is that, I'm trying to work out why they wouldn't be taking money off you. Um, well, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've never really had an experience where I've never... So some of my clients, like, for example, Chelsea or um, uh, or England, you know, that I, I would love to call them a client. I've done some work for them in the past. I can't pretend that, like, they're... Yeah, like, a fair like, bit. Yeah, I know. But, <laughs> I, but, but so if any of those companies or, you know, uh, anybody similar to that that I use that I work with quite regularly were all of a sudden to turn around uh, and publish something that looks exactly like my work but it's not my work and it's come from somebody else then i'd be like well this is a little bit gross like i think and maybe they that person charged much less or um i don't know they were in a pinch and they did it and i just i'd like to have a conversation with uh whoever hired them and be like why did you do that and that's absolutely fine you can do what you want you know use your your money um but i'd like to understand why they did it and if it were that they just want a Neil Jameson Sporting Press like image, then it's a little superficial. It seems a little bit lame. So in the yeah, so none of the clients that I work with regularly have ever used anybody else to get that look and that effect. And honestly, most of the people that hire me for that sort of stuff don't hire me because they like splattery stuff. They hire me because they like the way I've been solving problems for them. You know, that's just an execution. Um, and that's the way, so, the but way I, you work. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good point <laughs> of that reputation again of it, it comes back to, to they know that they're going to get the trusted deliverance. Yeah. And I think it's, so in terms of my Instagram, that is definitely a, uh, well, I do post a lot of professional like work stuff on there. I post a lot of Chelsea stuff and things like that. I, um, if I just have an idea and something I just really want to create, I'll just do it and throw it up there. Like I don't do it again. It's not strategic. It's just like stuff that inspires me at that time. I did a little portrait of Anthony Fauci the other day. Who's a, uh, you know who he is, right? Or maybe you don't, don't in the UK, but, no. So he is the um, uh, the White House um, 
chief medical advisor. I, I don't think that's his title necessarily, but he's a doctor who's a scientist, incredibly smart and an epidemiologist and understands how this virus is spreading. And he's been the one that's been honest and delivered the most accurate uh, information to the American public. He's the guy behind Donald Trump, basically right. contradicting him sometimes when he has to. So he's our hero, basically. He's an amazing guy, as far as I'm concerned. And he's the guy that I listen to at press conferences. He really inspired me with this one um, uh, comment he made. And so I did a quick illustration through on my Instagram. It didn't, you know, didn't get as many likes as a Lionel Messi illustration would do, but it doesn't matter. Like I'm just trying to like just create stuff that inspires me. Um, so I don't know exactly where I was going with that, but, but, um, I, I don't know. I just do stuff that inspires me. And, and if somebody it's, it's way less superficial than, Oh, I've, I want to put a splatter on a picture of Ronaldo. Right. right like yeah i don't know i think people most clients who need problem solving can kind of see through the aesthetic and understand that like there's a larger story to tell yeah i i just I, maybe i just got a bit too defensive on and i'm sorry to the guy on twitter that i sort of had a little bit of a go at <laughs> oh i remember that yeah yeah, yeah. Nah, man you're a monster yeah, thanks i appreciate you rose, you did, did an illustration of danny rose and it was like I was pretty sure that it was your work, and then yeah, uh, I can't remember. So I tried Something to back like a friend up, and then it didn't pan out that way. Because um. <laughs> well, I tell you what's an interesting one. I did uh, Emiliano, who is uh, I don't know him personally, but I mean he's become synonymous with uh, really quickly produced, incredibly quickly produced, high quality illustrations during uh, live sporting events. Right, yeah, so right yeah. after Champions League, he'll do these incredible competitions. Really, really quality work. It's very impressive, um, and he does a lot of stuff with. Uh, football logos like occasionally he'll do it's quite common actually now I think that's become one of his looks is like or I'm sure it, maybe it's been for a long time I haven't really been paying attention uh, but he does this really cool stuff with um, logos like he had the liver bird of the Liverpool logo flying off with um, I don't know the crown of Real Madrid or something I can't remember whatever yeah, yeah, it's really like smart that. little it's sort of really cool yeah so I did some of those too like probably about Two months ago, I remember on that. It was probably last football season. It was just a really interesting weekend in the Premier League calendar. Like all these, there was loads of upsets. Um, Jesse Lingard did this crazy like Michael Jackson thing after he scored. Um, it was just a, a really fun weekend in football. So I wanted to kind of tell a little story about it really quickly. So I did something similar with uh, club logos. Like I had an Everton um, tower like collapsing and things like that. Um, and he reached out to me actually like the next day and said, uh, you know, like I've been getting Twitter, like people have been tweeting me your work and they think it's mine and all that. And he was uh, quite defensive about it from what I could tell. I mean, there was probably a breakdown and a bit of a, uh, tra- you know, lost in translation, I think, because he's, I don't think English is, hmm. is his first language. Um, I was like, yeah, you know, I can definitely understand why people would think that because it really was taking, um, I could understand why there's a confusion. It was absolutely not, deliberate like it wasn't i hadn't seen that work of his um and, and he made a good point he's like you know this is the this is his bread and butter he makes a lot of money well i don't know about a lot of money but he certainly uh clients come to him for that type of work um and we had a really interesting conversation about it i was like yeah well first of all you know it's definitely coming from an honest place i wasn't trying to rip anybody off i just had a funny idea i thought i'd execute it and see uh and just express myself i suppose um but yeah, no, it was it was a fair point. I haven't really done anything since, and I'm definitely conscious of the fact that I don't want to take any money out of his pocket. Uh, like if he's, I don't want people to think that that's the line of work that I normally do, and that's something that you know is is in my future. Like I don't want that to become a big part of my business. Um, 
Yeah, so but it was just right. So that was sort of I accidentally copied his um, not certainly not his look. It was definitely a different aesthetic, but his philosophy or whatever. His yeah, I, mean, I guess uh, it depends how defensive the artist is about the work as well. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, and yeah, exactly. But I was going to say I, again. It. Sorry, go. On. No, um, uh, yeah, I don't really have anything to add. I think um, as far as people copying my style for fun, though, I'm all for it. Like, honestly, if I, uh, if, if I, the way I design stuff is insane. Like, if you saw my desktop, it's a disaster. It's done in InDesign and Illustrator and Photoshop and all sorts of things all squished together. It's, there is no rhyme or reason to it. Sometimes I'll do them entirely in Photoshop. Sometimes I'll do them, like saying all these other things. So if I was to ever do a tutorial, nobody would understand what the hell it was about. Um, but I would love to go and like talk to kids and just sort of explain, you know, this is how I do it. But it's more like this is why I do it, right? It's not just about, it's a really cool effect. Everyone should put half and dots on shit. That's it's something like, that I've, I've, had, I've had a message about. Um, a friend of mine, uh, Callum Seymour, who's a fantastic illustrator himself. He's only, only 21, 22. He's incredible. Um, and sort of way ahead of his, his time anyway. Um, and like, you know, he's already worked with like huge companies and huge sports teams. Um, but he, he actually asked if, if there's a couple of people he asked about, and he, why don't you were one of them, uh, oh, yeah. of how, uh, is there any way we can get like a breakdown of their, a PSD that they've worked on? Um, so. uh, I don't know. I've really only started creating PSDs recently because <laughs> I've been doing stuff for clients where they're like, can you move shit around? I'm like, I can't. <laughs> it's yeah, all yeah. flattened. I don't really know what I'm doing. Um, so I've started doing that recently. Um, like I did one for the LA Galaxy a couple of months ago. I did this insane poster of like 30, more like 50 uh, players. Um, and I kept that as a PSD and I was quite proud of myself. It was like five gig. I think it was a monster. Wow. Um, uh, so I wouldn't wish that upon anybody. But yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, it's also There is something a bit like, that. What's that? It's like, I think you're about to say it, like whether you want to reveal that sort of thing as well. Like, well, I mean, it is part of my business, right? I mean, that is one of the things that helps keep the lights on. And yeah. if it is, uh, you know, some of the splatters and some of the techniques I use are, they're not brushes. Like I never use brushes. A lot of these things are, you know, I've sat down with my kids and we've just taken mud and we've spread it around on a piece ah. of paper or ink or paint, you know, whatever. Like a lot of it is stuff I've made and then manipulated over and over and over and over again for the project. And then I'll use... Um, I did today. So I'm doing something for Sports Illustrated tomorrow, actually. But I'm going to use something I just finished from another client, a splatter that I, I just really liked. It was kind of curvy, and I accidentally walked in. I was like, oh, that was cool. So I used that for something else. So, like, yeah, they are sort of a little bit of my, I wouldn't say the proprietary, but they exist simply because I've worked on them so much. And, um, yeah, it's I'm a, a little private. bit protective of it. Yeah, yeah a little I bit. get it. I get it. And I'm also, a... there's a definitely an element of embarrassment because I didn't start out my career as an illustrator. And I can be perfectly honest with you. Like, I'm, I, I'm sure like a 15 year old kid in Belarus is a thousand times better at me than this stuff. And he would look at my layout and just judge me, and I'd feel this small and, and really embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, definitely understand why. Yeah, why you want to keep that bit, bit private anyway. And I, I probably would with my work sometimes as well. But, um, I I'm trying to come at it with a philosophy that's a little bit more uh, open source and a bit more sort of community driven. So um, I, uh, so I was digital creative director of ESPN, right? So a lot of what we, a lot of the um, code we found for fun sort of interactive experiences was open source stuff, which means that somebody made it and gave it to the world. Um, and that philosophy has really helped digital media grow and interactive experiences become more exciting. 
people are learning from everybody else. And that sense of community is pretty cool. And it was nice being a part of that for a little bit at ESPN. Um, and so I sort of feel like to that end, you know, nobody owns my look. And I do like the idea of all of the community feeding from each other. Like, I don't think it should be quite so cutthroat. Because, I mean, honestly, a lot of these projects, a spot illustration for a small magazine, it's like 500 bucks. It's not going to, you know, a few quid here and there. Like, it's not, I'd rather serve the greater good, I suppose, than uh, of the community as a whole than fight over scraps. Yeah, that makes sense. That does make a lot of sense. And um, obviously, like, like you said, uh, taking the inspiration and, and growing yourself as a designer as well is it's important for young people um and that's, that's another reason why not to share everything out and because if people just start copying you like yeah like it's good to yeah. but to look at it from the other side where it's good to not copy someone you can take little things and, and grow from that yeah like i really love the idea that uh of, of helping be somebody square one and then watching them go and blossom yeah. and do extraordinary things on their own um yeah, I mean, God, we've all been inspired by, I've been inspired by so many people. I mean, yeah, um, uh, yeah, like Jose Avila is amazing. All the traditional collage artists that I used to use in editorial work, like Glue Kit. Um, I don't know if there's so many, I can't even think of them off the top of my head, but I'm certainly not the first person to use the splatter effect. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm conscious of time. Uh, and yep. I think my parents and stuff are arguing in the background. I think I'm worried that you lot can hear them. Uh, so, yeah, my sister's are about food. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Cabin fever hitting the Hiram's house. Yeah, it's nearly tea time. So everyone's arguing about what we're having. I think. Um, so let's let's go on to let's go on to the last few. Well, unless you have anything else you want to talk about, unless like you got any specific points you want to make. <sighs> no, not really. I mean, I suppose you know. I thank you very much for letting me do this because it was. Uh, I definitely wanted to um, talk a little bit about my sort of newfound philosophy of, of kind of not taking things too seriously, doing things that I really care about, uh, delegating where possible, um, and you know, just kind of guided drifting. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're always welcome on the podcast. Always, it's great always talking to you. So uh, I'm obviously big admirer of your work anyway. So it's, it's good talking. Oh, thanks, man. Get to understand the, the brain behind it all. Yeah, yeah cheers. I, you know, who knows what the next chapter is? I don't necessarily know. I know that I have a few clients that I've got to keep happy um, really in the short term. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so I'm definitely busy for the next few weeks. But yeah, who That's knows? I definitely am going to take this opportunity if this things if things do start to quiet down a little bit and be just a little bit more professional. I could definitely benefit from, I think, from having a greater presence on, you know, actually having a website is probably a good start. Uh, not relying necessarily on relationships and things and just really um yeah i think just being a little bit more strategic but as i say for now this has sort of worked for me do you want any design websites as well like uh, uh behance or dribble uh no <laughs> no yeah, i'm not. I not i was wondering yeah uh there is i like that mystery though i like mm. that people aren't necessarily sure who the sporting press is and then all of a sudden you know cover of sports illustrated like who's that guy I don't know though. I think I think that would help you quite a lot. <laughs> probably, yeah, probably. I mean, you, know, you seem <laughs> to be doing sense. absolutely fine. But I mean, you know, being on behind, I just look at um, I look at Tyson Beck, who, who's one of my yeah, yeah, yeah. so much. Um, it's quite amazing, amazing work. And uh, I saw Tiffany at uh, uh, do you know Tiffany. Uh, she runs the in the trenches um, handle. Uh, she works at ESPN anyway. She's my a young designer at ESPN. She just hired Tyson for some illustration work Yeah. Uh, for their social. Um, yeah, Tiff Middleton. She's amazing. Everybody should follow her. 
my just talking now. <laughs> <laughs> so you've heard of In the Trenches, though, right? It's like a sports media um, social handle. The wrong person. Um, <laughs> uh, in the trench, I think I have. Yeah, I must have seen a film or something, or like a little. Is there YouTube videos? I might have seen a YouTube video. Um, I don't know, but she's brilliant. Tiffany Middleton and uh, In the Trenches, critical stuff. For every young designer to follow. So uh, we'll talk, a few of them we've been asked before, but I want to see if the answers have changed. So uh, the first one, best purchase under $100. Oh, yeah, you did ask me that. I think last time I said it was my visa paperwork to get my US yeah, H-1B visa. Uh, I've got to say, though, it's still got to be that, right? I mean, it's, it's <laughs> it, it started the, the whole journey over in America. Um, yeah, I'd still say it's my visa paperwork processing fee. That's great. That's great. Um, next one is, uh, well, a dream client, but I don't know. Yeah, um, it's funny, isn't it? Um, I don't really have one. I think it's not necessarily the, the company that they represent. It's more the project. Um, like I, I'll work for a tiny company um, and get paid next to nothing if the project is, is brilliant. Um, so I don't know. We don't really have a dream uh a dream client. I suppose that's all part of this guided drifting philosophy. Yeah, right? I like that. I see. It's a good, nice way to bring it back together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what makes you tick? Um, I don't know. Is that like one of these open-ended psycho- like psychology yeah. questions that uh, you just sort of <laughs> sit there and say nothing and then I just ramble and find out it's all about uh, my mum didn't love me enough when I was a baby. <laughs> um, it could be. Yeah, what makes you sick? I don't know. Uh, like I, I'm, I'm lucky that I have um, um, a wife and two kids uh, that we love very much, um, and they are certainly people that keep me humble <laughs> and sane and keep everything in perspective, um, and that's the driving force behind everything I do. I suppose that's the guided part, right, of the guided drifting, pay, paying the bills and making sure they're all fed and happy. But I think having a family um has changed perspective on everything right my, my daughter's going to be 10 this summer um and i look at where we were 10 years ago my wife and i um and we were living in manhattan uh living in brooklyn actually working in manhattan i was at people magazine she was at cbs um and you know that day when sienna was born everything absolutely changed um and we're still on that path of change today so i think what makes me tick is my family Oh, that's nice. I love that. That's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I might have asked this last time, but uh, how do you want to be remembered? Uh, yeah, you did, didn't you? Um, um, remembered, like professionally? Like what's my professional legacy? That's up to you. So my mum didn't love me enough when I was a kid. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She did, by the way. She, was, she loved me very much. I'm very grateful. Um <laughs> So I think my personal legacy is bigger than my professional legacy. My professional legacy is I just, I'm really lucky that I love what I do um, and I enjoy it and I get out of bed, jump out of bed every morning and, you know, create work. Like that's um, wonderful. So my uh, professional legacy is, you know, I, I want to be, um, I want to continue to be the person at the end of the phone that people call when they're in trouble. That makes me feel good and it makes them feel good. And I want to be known as the guy that was able to do that and help a lot of people out when they're in the shit. 
but again, that sort of pales in significance um, when compared to my family. My, my legacy is my kids. Nice. Um, and I, yeah, I just wanted to fulfill their potential. Lovely stuff. Where can people find you on social media and check you, check you out and copy your work and all that good stuff? <laughs> yeah, wait, what'd you say? So Maybe... Where can people find you on social media? Oh, where? Check you um, out and copy your work. And... So I'm on Instagram, the yeah. underscore sporting underscore press, which I've been told by my social media director, <laughs> which is you, that that's wrong and I should just have sporting press. Um, but yes, for now, it's the underscore sporting underscore press. Um, I think my Twitter's sporting press one because somebody took it. It's very disorganized, all of my social media. Um, and my website is njameson.com, but it will be thesportingpress.com as soon as I sort my shit out. Nice, nice. I like it. All right, we like to end the, the podcast now um, after I watch Cool Runnings. Have you seen Cool Runnings? Yes. Yeah, what a film. Um, which we'd like, to end, <laughs> and <laughs> we'd like to end the podcast with that uh, Cool Runnings and uh, Peace Be The Journey, as they say. Peace be the journey. Well, I yeah. have another one though. In closing, can I? Is it is it bad if I get the final word? Seems no, it's your podcast. It. Yeah, guess. Okay, so um, I recently watched uh, one of the greatest westerns I've ever seen. It's relatively new. It's called Slow West. Have you seen this film, Slow heard. West? Okay, it stars Michael Fassbender. It's brilliant. It's beautifully art directed. It is one of the most sumptuously delicious, wonderfully composed films you'll ever see. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, Anyway, there's a line in it which I, I find great comfort in. I think about quite a lot in these times of sort of uncertainty. Um, and it is, in a, in a short time, this will all seem like a very long time ago. I sort of love that. So very soon when we're over this pandemic and things start to get back to normal, we will look back on this time as if it were a long, long time ago. And um, we'll either be really proud of how we responded and how we acted or we won't be. And so I think it's really important that we know that this is going to end at some point and we need to be proud of what we achieved during this time when we look back on it with hindsight. In a short time, in a short time, this will be a very long time ago. Uh, I'll write down after the show. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's a really, really nice, really nice way to end it. Thank you very much. You bet, man. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. It's, as I said at the start, there's so many good bits of advice. Uh, and again, there's stuff on the Creative Waffle website, a little written out posts uh, on the episode and the advice given on the episode, along with loads of other episodes, advice, and summarised points uh, in blog posts. Uh, so yeah, go and check that out, creativewaffle.club uh, newsletter as well, which is now turned into a three-a-month newsletter rather than a weekly because of Squarespace and wanting more money so uh, I can't afford it so it basically doubles if you want for four posts uh, for five posts on the subscription emails a month you have to pay for the next bracket uh, rather than three which we're currently on um, it's only £4 a month when it goes up to £8 a month uh, which gets quite expensive you know doubling up but um, anyway that's uh, an honest look into my finances so yeah thank you very much for checking this out hope you enjoyed it do go and check out the other episodes and maybe the first episode with Neil as well if you haven't checked that out but uh, tons of advice on the episodes of the podcast Thank you very much. Please do leave a review if you're on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called, and uh, wherever you are. Yeah, please do leave a review. That would really help us. Thank you so much. Check out the next episode next Monday. I'll see you in the next one or another video on the website of the podcast. See you then. Cheers.